This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! And welcome to a brand new show brought to you by Minnesota United. We'll call this the Match Preview Show. Uh, plenty to talk about, a whole pre-season and off-season to review. Callum Williams here, the voice of Minnesota United. Alongside me, as always, former golfer, soccer star, Kindred D. St. Aubin. Later on, we'll touch base with Mark Watson, talk to him uh, about his new role and how it is to deal with certain situations and bringing in players and trading players and all sorts of different things involving Major League Soccer. Uh, but first, Kindra D. St. Aubin. Wow, what off-season. Here we go again. Yeah, I know. It feels like we were just sitting here, and it wasn't that long ago um, before that final... Uh final game of the season against LA Galaxy and then of course the the broadcast kind of review of the season that we had as well and you know you get into the holidays and it just flies I mean time just flies before you know it it's the draft and uh and preseason in Minnesota United the players are reporting back so it feels like an off season but not really and you know just excited to get it back going again for real you know I mean preseason is preseason and it's fantastic but when the games start to count and you're doing a real evalu evaluation of the first game that's when I think it gets, you know, gets to feel real and we get in our groove. And preseason as well. It, it's safe to say um, it was successful for Minnesota United. According to the coaching staff, they got everything that they wanted out of it in terms of fitness. Nobody came back with any major injuries and everybody seems set to go. Well, exactly. And I think that's been the resounding thought process from the coaching staff, from the technical staff, from anybody who's been involved with the preseason in Florida and in Portland. Everyone, first and foremost, came back healthy. I mean, that's what you want to get out. We've seen a couple guys that have gone down with ACLs in the preseason with other clubs. So the fact that Minnesota United heading into game one against Portland, no major injuries and the chemistry, the camaraderie, the energy, the competitiveness, the depth of the squad, the, you know, I think just the fact that every day everyone knows that their, their spot is up for grabs and they have to come and they have to show up and they have to compete. I think that's a, a positive and, and the vibe has been really quality and talking to guys like Boxy, who's been in preseason for Minnesota United a few times now, said by far the toughest preseason they've had. And I think not just from the fitness rigorous, you know, action they were run through, but also because of the depth of the squad and just knowing they have to bring it every day. All things we will cover over the course of the next 50 minutes or so. But first... A very, very special guest. Technical director Mark Watson joins us. Um, Watto, how are you doing? Cal, I'm good. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, as we mentioned, uh, a very new role for you during this offseason. It was confirmed that you would take over uh, the technical director role and, and leave the role as assistant manager. Um, you've been a coach for a very, very long time. How has the adjustment been over the course of the last few months? So, yeah, it's, it's been good. Um, you know, basically when the season ended, this all happened. So um, there wasn't a lot of time to take some time off or get a break. It was it was basically things were happening straight away and I, I jumped on board. So it's been a little different now seeing the team back training and being on the pitch and, and not being there. That's um, that's taken a little bit of an adjustment and um, probably will go on for a little bit longer. But, um, you know, I think the, the job in its in its whole has been has been really good. And I think I was really familiar with how things were done and I've been around the league a long time. So very familiar in a lot of ways, but obviously when you get to this level and you're dealing with, with trades and new acquisitions and contracts, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn, a lot to do. Um, and we're fortunate we have a good staff around us um, 
that we we did a really good job, we think, and and are still doing this. Uh, the off season is not over, but we feel really good about what we've done to date. And we'll uh, we'll dive deeper into uh, how it's been for you personally uh, a little later on here. Um, I, I would love to get your thoughts on on the roster because this is a roster that you and Adrian Heath have put together over the mm -hmm. course of the last couple of months. Eleven new additions. Right. I asked Adrian this the other day. I'll ask you the same. Who, who are you most excited about? Which player? Um, you know, there's a bunch. I don't think I put um, put one one name down. But if if you look at you know last season and there there were so many pauses. I think this this club and this team really grew. And we we left the season um, feeling pretty good about ourselves. You know, we made great strides. We we had a great year at Allianz, and we were really happy with the team. But there was there was still some lingering. Hey, this 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 isn't good enough. Still, we still need to go better, get better, uh, and improve. So, the off season was about you know retaining the core of the group, um, but picking those those spots where we felt we needed to get better. So we we did that. Um, we obviously had a, a goalkeeper situation to deal with. Vito had done well for us, and we looked at bringing him back. That didn't work out. Um, you know, if we look at Tyler Miller coming on board when when the veto thing came to an end. Tyler's name come up, and it was a resounding yes. Let's do this right now. And <clears throat> you know we now have Tyler. And we're very excited about it. Tyler was um, you know with with Stuart Kerr's input, uh, he felt he he was the one keeper he would want in the league, and you know really wanted to work with him. And so so when that came about, it happened really quickly, and um, we were all supportive of that. We now feel that. You know, we've got the best young goalkeeper in MLS and, you know, ultimately will be a, an improvement from the previous year. Um, the other two spots were the two attacking spots. And we felt that, you know, and if we use the LA Galaxy game as kind of a microcosm for the season, there was there was a ton of positives. You know, you, you could tell we had a really good group, but we didn't score enough goals and maybe didn't have enough quality in the final third. So that was um, that was another big motivation for the off season. We feel really good about some of the attacking options we brought in to, to help that. Um, the other thing we did was, you know, we know that there's going to be a lot of tournaments in the summer and, you know, we wanted to get deeper as, as a group and, you know, not only can we fill holes when, when holes are made, but we've got an incredible competition for places now. And I don't think there's any better motivation in a group when you know that there's someone else that wants your position and he's, and he's playing really well. So we're, we're pretty much too deep at every position. And, you know, the competition for the starting 11 and the 18 is, is going to be incredible this year. And, and there's going to be some really good players that are left out. So um, preseason has been a great indicator of that. The, the level has been great. And, I, I, you know, I think everyone's aware that, We've got a really good group, and it's going to be tough to get into starting 11. When you talk about um, some of the additions, and I, I asked Adrian about this as well. I mean, how important is it to bring in guys with MLS experience when you talk about that depth? I mean, you've been in this league for a mm -hmm. long time. People, you can't really undervalue or underestimate guys who have played in this league, mm -hmm. and they understand it. Yeah, no, we, um, we feel very fortunate to, to have the players um, that we brought in with, you know, with the MLS experience, we really liked them as guys. They, they kind of ticked all the boxes, and it just it just kept falling into place one after the other. Um, you know, and we have guys that, you know, if if someone gets injured or suspended or goes away for the Euros or you know, with the U.S. Olympic team, we're we're covered. So, we we feel really good about it. And not only, you know, are they good cover cover players, but 
they could potentially be playing at they a higher level than they the, could be starting at they another. Could be, club. They could be starting, you know. So that's where the competition comes in. So anyone that felt comfortable with their place last year, and you know, I'm I'm a starter, and I'm I'm going to play play the games when I'm healthy. I don't think that's the case anymore. So we feel really good about that component. Um, you know, we brought in good players with experience, and they're great guys. One of the things we were really conscious of is. You know, just the team, team culture, and the type type of players we had in the in the locker room. You know, we we made huge strides in year three with that regard. And one of the one of the takeaways from year three is that we have a really good culture. We've we've built a really good culture, and we're going to be really adamant and specific when we when we add players. They they have to enhance what we already have, and and even take it to the next level. You, you mentioned earlier on, and you started talking about individuals with with Tyler Miller. Mm-hmm. Adrian Heath said to us the other day, he's a much better goalkeeper than he actually thought he was. I think um, Stuart Kerr may very well have said the same thing. Sure. Yep. What was it about him that attracted you guys towards him? And how did that deal come about? Yeah, so like I said, we we went down the the line with Vito. And in the end, I won't talk too much about that. But in the end, Vito didn't want to come back for a couple of reasons. Um, so we moved on and... You know, we had a lot of interest from a lot of keepers. And I will say this, once Tyler Miller's name came up, um, I think the deal was done within 48 hours. So it was a resounding yes from everyone, a resounding yes from Stuart Kerr, who knew him well. And he said, basically, give me the chance to work with this kid because I think he's one of the best in the league. And I think being here, he can be the best in the league. You know, I think he's 26 years old, um, played really only two years. He was behind Stefan Fry in, in Seattle. So he was, he was understudied to a very, very good goalkeeper and learned a lot. And we were happy that, that he was available. So like I said, when we heard his name um, being available, we spoke to his his representatives and, you know, there, there were other teams involved. Tyler was out of contract. So um, there, there was a little bit of what club do you want to go to? And there was other suitors. Um, and I, I can say the, the, the main reason this deal got over the line is Tyler wanted to be in Minnesota. And that, that was really important for us as well. He, he liked the, the team. He liked the city. He loved Allianz Field. And more importantly, he really loved the group. Um, he, he knew a lot about our team. He knew about the, the, the group in front of him, not just the back four, but the others in front. And, you know, he basically pushed this over the line. And um, it was because of him he ended up coming to Minnesota because there were, there were a couple other teams interested. So the deal happened quickly, primarily because of him. And once we got it done, we were, we were really excited. And then we were able to move on to some other targets. You, um, you mentioned that, that it was obvious that he was available. You were made aware that he was available. Uh-huh. In your role, how does that come to light? How is it made aware that players are available? Is it through an agent? Is it through word of mouth? How does that sort of deal start? You know, kind of all of the above. Uh, agents, um, you know, you speak to other GMs and technical directors and what are you looking to do this offseason? You know, just just find out what, um, what moves they're looking to make. So... Uh, it can come from a bunch of different sources. It can come from team, you know, players on your team. It can, you know, you're, you're basically taking information from from every angle. So, um, like I said, once we knew, it was gathering the technical staff together and go, hey, guys, Tyler Miller's available. What do you think? And it was, yes, 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 let's do it. And, like I said, I think it was, I think it was 48 hours from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Just a quick question on that because we talked a, a little bit about it on draft day. <laughs> when the whole ta- the staff was up at the office. How different was that? Because don't a lot of those conversations take place when you're at the draft or it was a much smaller combine. It was very different. So you guys can have these kind of, you know, 
at the hotel restaurant, passing mm-hmm. in the hallway. I mean, a lot of it is not as formal and official as people think it is. Did, did Was something missing this year without that? I think a little bit. I think, you know, as much as there was some detractors from the way the draft and the combine went and you have to travel to second place and, you know, the, the logistics of it were, were really challenging. But there was something about that, you know, week or 10 days where everyone's in the room and in the, in the lobby and in the bar and uh, a lot of things did get done. So you had to be a little bit more... Uh, intentional with with you know how you gathered information and how you spoke to clubs. There was a lot more phone calls, texts, you know, all of the above to to find out who's available and what's going on. So I, I think everyone missed that a little bit. Uh, I think they missed the first three days, maybe not the last seven. <laughs> yeah, that tended to drag on a little bit. But um, you know, I think um, I think you just had to change the way you you went about it. And like I said, a lot more time on the phone and texting to to find out what's out there. You know, and you can't read body language though. You gotta like no, FaceTime somebody. You gotta read yeah. that body. No, there's not a lot of FaceTime in the business. That's, <laughs> um, but it was it was different, and I and I don't know if that'll be a permanent thing in in the future. But um, you know, you just had to change a little bit about the the way you went about your business and how you contacted people and gathered information. What about at the other end of the field, Watto? Uh, Luis Amaria comes yeah. in with, with quite a pedigree, uh, a wonderful season in mm-hmm. Ecuador. Is he the real deal? I think he is. Um, you know, I think we've been looking for that type of player for a long time. And, you know, not to take anything away from the players that have been here in the past. Um, Adrian's an attacking coach, I think it's fair to say. And he was a striker. So, you know, he's... He has a better perspective than anyone, and it's and he's the boss. So, you know, we've been looking for that type of player for a long time. And you know, if we're analyzing the season, we we weren't good enough in the final third. Um, we didn't score enough goals. There wasn't enough threat in behind. Um, everything seemed to be in front, and balls going wide and crossed in the box. So, we wanted to change that. And if we had designed a profile, which we actually did, uh, Luis fit it to a T. So as it goes, it's always a funny story when you, when you find players. Um, there's thousands of different ways. But Adrian was at a game looking at someone else um, who fit a similar profile as well. And that player didn't do very well, ended up getting sent off. Um, but, you know, lucky for us, Luis was playing on the other team and scored three goals and had a, had a, great, a great night. Uh, but more importantly, did all the things that we wanted a striker to do. You know, had great movement, you know, scored goals. That's, it sounds, sounds very basic and simple, but that's the majority of their job is to score goals. Sometimes you don't ask how they do it. Um, but if we are looking at how he went about it, he's, he's really active. He's got great movement. He's a great finisher. He's got a great work rate with and without the ball. It's not just, you know, when he has a chance to, to, to get the ball and score a goal, it's, it's on the other side. So he, he defends really well in transition. And when we're in a set uh, defending shape, he's, he's putting his work in and, and does really well with that. So um, it wasn't just the three goals. It was, you know, how he went about his business for 90 minutes. And then we kind of kicked into gear. We, we took a good look at him. You know, we did a lot of due diligence. And, you know, in the end, 
we we looked at a lot of other players, but we felt Luis was was the best fit for us. So we were we were delighted when uh, we finally got it over the line. When it's a player like that that is overseas in another league, and you like what you see on the field, and mm -hmm. you talked about the chemistry and the culture, what next steps do you take then to figure out what kind of person he is? And with mm -hmm. the scouting structure, the relationships you have with these people in these other countries, how do you kind of dig deep into that aspect of it? Yeah, I mean, you you just access your network. Um, it's looking at where he's been, who you may know, who may know a friend of a friend of a friend who played with him, um, all of the above. And that was, that was really important. And like I said, with, with the culture that we had built and wanting to foster that and even improve it, that, those were the main questions we asked. And I don't know if I've ever heard more positive remarks on a player ever. Um, and what, what were those? Like, we've seen a little bit yeah. of it now because we've seen sort of his personality in yeah. person, but what, what did you hear about him um, that the fans would 10 out of 10, 100 out of 100, 1,000 out of 1,000. Uh, he's a great kid. Mm -hmm. He loves the game. He's got great energy in training. Uh, comes in the building every morning with a smile on his mm -hmm. face. Uh, he's an incredibly professional guy. You know, even just getting documents in to get a, a, his work visa and, and things like that. He's he's been incredible, and that and that's what we heard. You'll you'll not have a better kid in your locker than than this kid. Um, on the field, you know you didn't just see a one-off. He he works and runs for 90 minutes. Um, you know the the one thing that was maybe a question mark was he didn't have a, a long history of scoring goals. Mm -hmm. So he had he had a really good season with Catolica. I think it was possibly 19, maybe 22 with some cup games. Mm -hmm. Um, but before that, he hadn't played a lot and hadn't scored a ton of goals. So that was one of the questions we asked. And he was, I mean, his parent club is, is Villas Sarsfield in Argentina. So um, I knew quite a few people there and basically said, hey, what was, what was Luis like? Uh, they had nothing but incredible things to say on and off the field again. The one thing that did come out of it, and I said, well, you know, why didn't he play and why didn't he score as, as many goals as he just did this past season? And basically, he, he didn't get a chance. Um, you know, he was a younger kid. Velez is one of the bigger Argentine clubs. And when you have a, a player like Cristaldo or Mauro Zarate at the club, uh, who are proven big-time goal scorers and were favorites of Gabriel Heinze, who was the manager there, um, Luis just didn't get his chance, you know? So he has, he has some appearances and some goals. Um, and you look at him now, it's, it's no shock as to why he scores goals. Obviously, he's relying on service, but his energy, his movement in the box, you know, his, his ability to not just make a goal, but create a goal himself. He's got good technical ability, but he's a relentless worker. And, you know, for me, there was, there were some parallels to Chris Wondolowski, who I, I worked mm -hmm. with for a long time at San Jose. He never stops moving. It's a near post run. He's pulling away the back post. He's standing still. He's, you know, it's constant movement. And we know that that type of movement and his finish, finishing ability will translate into goals. We, uh, we won't ask you about a certain Argentine because I know you can't say a lot at the moment. But I, don't, I don't even know what you're talking about, Cal. <laughs> but regardless of that, when you look at the players that are behind Amaria, mm -hmm. there's a heck of a lot of creativity there, Watso. Yeah. The question is, do, do you and the coaching staff think there's enough there? 
So let, let me just say, in addition to, to Luis, we have Mason Toy back, who made great strides last year and, you know, I think, I think he's going to have a really strong season. And we brought in Aaron Schoenfeld as well as a striker. So we, uh, we really like our, our three strikers moving forward. Um, you know, Aaron signed a little later, but he's someone that, you know, we as a staff have liked for a long time and gives you a little different profile being someone of his size. But Aaron's a really good soccer player. He's a great guy. He's fit in really well to this 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 group and this club and he's got goals in him as well so you know we uh we feel we have you know three really dangerous attacking players um to get back to your initial question in terms of the the guys underneath that you know will support that that goal scoring process um we feel good about that as well so we have we have a lot of really good numbers you look at you know ethan finley kevin molino robin ludd thomas chacon um you know, we've got a lot of quality there and it's going to be tough for those guys to get on the field. You know, there's there's two or three spots. So, so you know, guys are going to be left out. So the competition for places initially is going to be really, really challenging. Um, and we we feel, you know, especially with Ethan and Kevin, you know, they were they were coming off ACLs. Um, year one back from an ACL is, is always challenging. So I don't think either of them ever got to 100%. They sure look like they're there in this preseason. So we expect more out of them. Um, you know, Robin you know, came in late. It's always difficult for the guys that come in late in the summer transfer window. You, you're always trying to expedite the fitness process and the sharpness, and um, it's really challenging. You know, you, you have to throw players in before they're ready, and I think you'll see, you know, a, uh, a better Robin Ludd having having a really good preseason, and Thomas Chacon as well, who's a, a young player. Obviously, we brought in last year, and um, he's um, he's someone that we're, we're hoping really progresses and and is challenging for, for minutes on the field as well. So in terms of that core support group to, you know, to provide the pass and, and create, create good opportunities for our strikers and themselves, you know, we, we feel uh, it's a really strong group. I think the other thing I was going to ask just specifically about your role is, and now that you're in it, mm. um, you've been in MLS and in the league for a very long time, but even now that you're in this role, I mean, how much how much can you emphasize to people that it's not as black and white as people think it is? You know, because you hear you hear the fan base always saying, "Why not this? Why not this? Why didn't this happen? Why did this happen?" You know, I mean, the the intricacies of any of these deals just it's not as cut and dry and black and white as people like to think. Or and and soccer is very different than any other professional sport in mm-hmm. in the timing and the transfer fees and the deals and the loans and the the leagues and the cultures that you're dealing with. Yeah, no, there's, you know, we can only say so much. Really. There's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes, and you you try to provide as much information as possible so people understand, but you obviously have to be careful in terms of the level of detail. So um, the one thing I will say is, you know, we as a club have always had to progress and ask the question, how do we get better every offseason? And a lot of times that, that means saying goodbye to, you know, players that you, you really like and players that have had – a big part of the club's history and you know have had really good moments and they're and they're good players but um you know when we as a club ask how do we get better uh, which we have to do that's that's our job um you know we have to do what we think is right mm-hmm. so th- there's there's been tough moments to to let go of, of some players but you know we feel we've we've gotten better every year uh made significant strides last year and and we feel we need to do that again this year so you know we had to say goodbye to Darwin Quintero and Miguel Labara and Angelo Rodriguez. And those are, those are really difficult moments because uh, they're good guys and they, they had a, a big part of this, this club's, you know, progression. Um, so we, we obviously thank them, but, you know, we have to think about the group and 
salary cap and roster space and age. And, you know, there's, there's so many factors that go into it. So, um, you know, it's just part of the business, but, you know, we, we just continually think, what do we need to do to get better and, and use it as our, our guiding principle. Were you at the Forever United meeting the other day? I was. Will it make the boat go faster? <laughs> Were you there? Oh, yes. It's the same. It's the same question. You know, and you know, we in our jobs, that's that's what we we have to do. We're in charge of that process. Yep. So you know, I'm not going to say it's easy to make those decisions because it's because it's not. And um, you know, a lot of a lot of people have different opinions on that, and we understand that. That's part of the game. Um, we had to say goodbye to some really good guys, and it's 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 probably the toughest part of the job, not just in my position now, but even as a coach, it's, it's really difficult because um, you go through thick and thin with, with the players and good times and bad times. And um, you know, you, you have a real attachment. So th those are really difficult decisions, but, but like I said, we, we have to keep moving forward and, and, and getting better and have to take all the variables in, into, into account when we make our decisions. So before we go to break, uh, one final question for you. Um, Sean McCauley and Stuart Kerr came in. I know Stuart Kerr was, with Minnesota United around about two-thirds of the way through last season. But now he's here um, with much more of the future in mind. Sean McCauley, what has he added to the coaching staff? I mean, Sean's been incredible. Um, we've we've known him for a long time. Adrian's known him for a long time. He's one of the best coaches in the league. Um, he's got an incredible personality. You know, he's, he's very, very charismatic and great with the group. Uh, a great coach on the field. Yeah, and... You know, he's, he's been around a long time, so he's, he's been a great addition to the staff. Wonderful. And uh, looking forward to hearing a lot more from the Minnesota United Technical Director, Mark Watson. We'll hear as well from Kindred St. Auburn shortly. You're listening to the Minnesota United Match Preview Show. Stay with us. More coming your way shortly. Welcome back to the Minnesota United Match Preview Show. Callum Williams here, the voice of Minnesota United, alongside colour analyst Kindra D. St. Aubin. And we're joined by a very special guest, the technical director of Minnesota United, Mark Watson. Now, Watson, let me ask you this. A technical director, there's plenty of people who won't have any sort of idea what that means and what the role is. So tell us, if there is an average day in a, a technical director's life, what does that look like? That's, that's a good question. So if I'm not traveling, which has probably been 80% of my days since I took over, um, you know, you're, you're basically just managing the first team players. That's maybe the way to, to put it into as clear a one-liner. Um, you know, you're working with the technical staff in terms of the, the roster players, you know, a lot of player recruitment, so a lot of scouting, um, contracts, budget. You know, it's basically everything to do with with the group of players at the club. Um, you know, we're still kind of redefining what everyone does and, you know, the, the league and clubs are growing so fast. We, you know, we're still looking to build out all these departments. I mean, the player recruitment side in itself is just, just a massive undertaking. You're, you're basically scouting the world. You know, we've narrowed it down to certain markets, but um, it's a really big, um, big task and to do it right, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, the, the additions that we're bringing into the club are the right ones. It takes a lot of time and energy. So there, there's a lot that goes on. Um, and fortunately, we, we have a really good good staff in behind the scenes. Um, but for, for me, in terms of my role and how I, how I would describe it, it's, you know, it's basically making sure um, the, the group of first-team players is in good shape and moving forward and, 
um, budget compliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's a whole nother nightmare. Yeah. Um, what What is it like to manage that sort of budget? Um, it's good. That's probably been the biggest change. Is you know, I think I had a really good grasp in terms of how the league works and all the rules, and you know, the rules have now changed with the new CBA. So there's some there's some new adjustments to make with that. But um, I always felt I had a really good grasp of of the big concepts. The roster compliance stuff is challenging. It's there's numbers and formulas, and you know, it's it's not a a simple simple process. I mean, we we've just got to the point where we had to get roster compliance. So it's, it's your GAM, it's your TAM, it's your DTAM, you know, all the TAM has been converted to GAM. Um, your DTAM, you can only apply at one time and then you can't change that, that designation. So, uh, we have good people behind the scenes. You know, I've had a lot of help with that. You know, we have Logan Kunak who, who works behind the scenes. We all know Logan and love him. Oh man, him. he just got his name thrown in there. He's going to be, yeah. yep, he's you're welcome Logan. <laughs> yeah. And he does a good job. He's, he's, he's really good with that. And he takes the lead. Um, you know, basically it's, you, you have to have that, um, in a really good situation. So you know what you can do. I mean, it's basically, what do we got? How many spots mm-hmm. do we have? How much money do we have? And then you can start allocating, um, the players, you know, and the, and the players you're looking for have to correlate to, to your budget. You know, you can't just go out and go crazy on a couple non DP players and then you have nothing left for the rest. So there's, there's, you come up with a plan relative to, um, your needs and your current roster. And then you, you build it into your, your off season player recruitment. And then there's ages within that roster. And then there's, you know, mm. the different levels within it. And then there's the generation Adidas and then there's the homegrowns. I mean, when mm-hmm. I try to explain to people, how MLS works, it's like, I, I, you know, I almost just want to hand him a handbook because even I have to like refresh my memory and still don't totally yeah. comprehend everything. So it's amazing that you guys can put it all down on paper and figure it out. Yeah, no, there is a handbook and it's lengthy. <laughs> and we've just gotten a, just got a revised one with the new CBA, which actually hasn't been completely ratified yet. So we're, we're still working on um, exactly what that means. But no, there's, there's a lot. And I don't think anyone knows every single thing that it entails. So you you're bounce, constantly bouncing stuff off the league and does this work and does that work and what about this? And um, sometimes they don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's so many, so many things. And when you, when you put rules in, there's, there's a few little cracks and, um, you know, it's a constant process of, you know, are we on the right track and making sure we're roster compliant and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, um, you know, we, we have a really good knowledge base, but, you know, every day there's things that you, you have to check the book and check with the league and, um, you know, for people coming from, from the outside, I think, I think it can be a really daunting task because there, there's a lot of, a lot of intricacies and a lot of information. You mentioned earlier on in the previous segments about, um, you knew several people at, uh, Velez, the Argentine mm-hmm. club that, yeah. that Amaria is on loan from. Fairly simplistic question, but, but how important is it to have a long contact list in, in your role? It's essential. And it's, it's not just the people I know, it's the people they know and, and the people they know. So the, the web can get spread pretty far. Um, there's, there's no better um, person to talk to than someone that's worked with the player every day. And sometimes it's not necessarily someone that's played with them. It's a coach or someone that has been at the club. What's he like as a guy? What's he like every day? I can honestly say, um, and I've, I've said it, but the, the reports back on Luis were incredible. And I met a guy in Argentina a couple couple months ago. Um, and I said, hey, we, we're looking to sign a, a Vela's player who's been on loan. Um, do you know him? And I said the guy's name. And he goes, he goes I'll, I'll tell you a story. He goes, one of their best players, star player, who's now moved on to Racing, whose name is Cristaldo. 
He goes, they signed this player. And after about a week, he called me. He goes, I know, I know the player well. He goes, we have this guy we just signed from Paraguay. And he goes, I think he's going to be top notch. He goes, his movement, his goal scoring, he goes, and he's a great kid. He trains every day. He goes, he's not getting a chance right now. He goes, but I've just been blown away by this kid. So it's, it's little stories and you combine those from enough sources um, and it really does paint a picture. So, you know, like I said, we, we wanted to be really diligent with, you know, that due diligence of, of knowing the type of player and the type of person we're getting into the club because we want to protect the, the culture we have and even enhance it. So we, we, were, we were very adamant that we, we did as much work as, as we possibly could to, to know what kind of person we were getting in. And Luis, it was everywhere we turned, it was an incredible reference. A, another quick story. It took him a little while to, to come in with his, uh, to get his visa work done. So we, he, was, he was in Asuncion, Paraguay, where he's, where he's from. And we knew he'd probably be there for two weeks while, while the team was doing preseason. So we reached out and said, is there a, a physical fitness trainer in, in Asuncion that can work with Luis, you know, a couple times a day for these next two weeks? So we found the, the best guy. He's worked with the national team. He's worked with a bunch of Bayern Munich and Barcelona and came really highly recommended. So we reached out to him and said, you know, could you work with Luis? He goes, I know Luis. It would be an honor. Um, so off we went. After about five days, I called to just check in, see how he's doing, see how his fitness level is, you know. And I go, how's it going? He goes, I've never worked with a better professional in my life. Wow. We're doing three sessions a day. He comes in with a smile on his face, ready to work, and I get 100% out of him. At the end, he says, thank you, smile on his face, and off he goes. And he's a, he comes in for the afternoon session the same way. He goes, he's in really good shape. He's a really good physical specimen. Um, and he goes, I honestly don't know if I've ever enjoyed working with someone more than him. And then I was like, well, are there any positives to add to this? <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was resounding along the way. And, you know, we, we felt really good when um, Luis was coming in that we'd, we'd found not only a really good player that can score goals, but a, a great addition to this, this group. In this new role, do you feel a different, a different sort of pressure because you're bringing these players in who have these resounding, you know, reports and, and scoring goals? And, but it's, a different, it's different than once you get them and you work with them on the field. Is it a different yeah. sort of pressure for you now to see how they come and they, they turn up in the league? No, it is. I mean, you, you want everyone to come in to, to do really well and, and make the group better. What I will say is, you know. And we, everybody has an opinion. You know, I mean, you go 100%, on 100%. That's, that's oh the goodness. beauty of the game. So We have passionate fans. <laughs> yes. No, we, uh, we celebrate those, those opinions. That's, that's part, of the, part of the business. We don't always want to hear them, but because <laughs> um, it, it's, it's personal and everyone loves different things and different, different players. But, you know, it's really important that um, the players we, we bring in do well and are, are the right type of Type of people, so I've, I've I've been charged with you know kind of running that process. I will say it's very collaborative, and you know we speak to other members of staff and you know our player recruitment team and and Adrian as well. So it's not just me, but I'm you know I 100% take it personally when when these players come in. I want to make sure they've been vetted properly and they're the right fit and et cetera et cetera. So it's very personal. I don't deal with them on the field anymore, um, you know, but you know, my motivation for, for this club to be successful hasn't changed. Do you take it personally when perhaps deals don't work out? You know, sometimes. I think um, that, that's a harder one because, you know, we're trying to get deals done with, with parameters, you know, financial parameters. So, you know, we know we can only go so far. Um, the league has a salary cap, which we have to 
you know, manage that in terms of allocating X amount of money to X amount of player in X roster spot. Um, the designated players go outside that. So that's a, that's a different uh, formula, although we still have our financial parameters with that. We're not going to go spend $20 million on a player. So we do have a budget. Um, but in the end, I'm, I'm entrusted with getting deals over the line. Um, although with, with the club backing me, um, you know, and it's, it is hard. We've had a couple deals where we were close with a few players and in the end it didn't happen, you know, for, for various reasons. It's usually financial. It's usually, you know, there's a better offer there or the player wanted more or whatever it is. So, uh, but you do take it personally. And, and once you, you find a player who would, who would be really good for the, for the team and it doesn't happen, it's, it's pretty disappointing. Have you found it? With the, the growth of Major League Soccer, which is clearly evident now, have you found it being in, in South America and other parts of the world, have you, in your role, found it easier to negotiate with people? Are, are they taking North American teams more seriously now? Uh, de- definitely, yes. Um, <clears throat> the MLS is a very attractive league now. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of interest. I think financially with the the way the, the rosters have grown and the budgets have grown, and especially the TAM money, uh, we now can be really competitive with with that range of player. So I think those two things aligning, you know, there's a lot more interest in, in players coming to the MLS. I will say on the international side of the negotiations, it's it's a little bit challenging because things are things are different everywhere in the world relative to MLS. We have different rules and ways to acquire players and discovery lists. That is a little bit challenging in terms of merging a, a foreign club. Uh, to dealing with MLS because we, we do have those rules and the foreign clubs don't understand. So it's it's trying to to bridge that and educate them in terms of we have to structure things this way because this is uh, these are our rules and this is how the league operates. Um, and and usually we can we can get them to um, get to a point where they understand. But it, it is a challenge because you know MLS is unique to to the world and I think it's the only the only league that is is operated this way. So. Uh, it is challenging, but you know, we um, that's why we probably spend a little bit more time on on the international players because there's there's more of an education piece in terms of how we go about our business. Well, and when you look at this, you talk about now it's a worldwide concept for you guys searching for players. And is it sometimes better to cast a wide net or a or a a narrower net with more focus. I mean, have you have you honed in on certain areas of the globe where you know you have certain connections or you've had success? Or I mean, because some you get too big and too wide, then it's a little bit thinner. Right. Yep. Or do you try to go a little bit narrower and know with you know you know with what you know and, and go with that? Yeah, I, I'd say it's a it's a good question. I, I'd say it's both. So <clears throat> we we still want to have a wide net, and you you'd hate to let a really good somebody. one slip through yeah. the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we speak to a lot of people and a lot of agents and, you know, we have, a, we have a really, really big database. But in terms of, you know, us allocating our time and resources to, to certain markets, we definitely do that because we, you know, you look at certain countries and certain profiles of players and, you know, we, we, we think some of those translate better to what we want to do here at Minnesota United. So uh, we'll put extra attention and focus on certain markets. Um, you know, but we're, we're still revising that too. It's It's a big job and... You know, you look at some of the clubs around the world, they have 500 people scouting and 150 people scouting. We're not quite there yet. So we're still evaluating that every day. What, what can we do better? What, what have we not done well? We're, we're constantly asking those questions in terms of, you know, how we improve going forward. 
um, revising the markets that we think are of value. You know, there's, there's some markets that are, are really attractive and still undervalued. You know, we, we look to those, there's others that we like the players, but they're really expensive. So there's, there's so much that goes into it. And, you know, we're still, we're still evaluating that process in terms of, you know, how can we, with our resources, be as effective as possible. Before we focus our attention on Minnesota United's first opponent of the season, Portland Timbers, just want to ask you what are finishing up on on your role as, as the technical director of this club. Is there an area around the world where, where you see more players coming from to MLS? Is there an, an influx of, for example, more Colombians coming into MLS? And if so, why are they coming from this specific region? Um, yeah, I think you can look at Argentina as a big a big provider of players to the league. You look at, you know, the ones from Atlanta, like, like Al Morano, who's Paraguayan, but he's playing in Argentina and Barco and, and Martinez. I think there's a good profile down there. I think, um, there's a lot of talent and I think the mentality is pretty good. Uh, I think Northern Europe will always be, you know, it's one of the top soccer football places in the world. And there's a lot of quality there and they play very organized structured, structured games. So I think that'll always be, um, a place that majority of teams look, but the, the hard part is this: the game is it's global. So there's there's really interesting players in, you know, Korea and Japan that that we've seen. Um, there's players from Africa that are that are incredible. There's Central America. There's you know there's some Mexican players coming into the league now, which you 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 really didn't see in the past. You know, I think since since we've been able to compete a, a little bit better financially, now we're now we're seeing you know some Mexican players. Pizarro just just was signed by Inter Miami. That was, that was a big signing and you wouldn't have seen that five or 10 years ago. So, um, you know, every club will have their own, um, you know, their own style and their, every manager will, will want certain players from certain markets, but it's a, it's a big old world out there. And, you know, you have to come up with, um, the system and the, and the, the profile that, that suits yourself. Okay. So Minnesota United on the roads, once again, to start the season, mm-hmm. this time, once again, it's Portland Timbers. There's a reoccurring right. theme here, isn't there? Uh, you've been on the sideline. You, you've watched as a coach for, for many a year uh, as your teams have gone up against Portland Timbers at Providence Park. What do we make of the current version of Portland Timbers at the moment? You know, I, I, I think they'll be strong again. Um, you know, they've added a couple players in Mora and Chara. They've added a striker I don't think is fit yet. But, you know, the core of the group is still there. Blanco's still there. Valeri's there. You know, most of the rest of the team is, is still intact from especially last year. Um, so we know they'll be strong. And, you know, playing at, at their sold-out stadium in Portland is, is always a big advantage. They have a, they have a great crowd and a great atmosphere. Um, but I think there's a lot of belief in our group. And, you know, we played them a couple times last year and did well. We had the back-to-back games with them and we won both and then I think we drew out there in the one game at Providence Park last year so there's a lot of belief in this group that we match up really well you know we think we've got better uh we're coming off a really good preseason so we'll go we'll go in there respecting them knowing that you know we have to be at our best to get a result but also also very confident that you know we have the the group and the ability and um you know the mentality to go there and get three points how different is it going into year four for this club, second year of Allianz Field, and you're heading to Portland again on the road of a, normally a very tough place to play. I think mm-hmm. last year proved a little bit of an anomaly for them. And, <clears throat> and having been on the sideline for clubs, what Gio Severese had gone through with that club, and you have your superstars, as you just mentioned. But when when you're a, a coach for Minnesota United and you're heading on the road for the opening game of the season, how much are you focusing on yourself? How much are you focusing on the opponent in, in this scenario? 
So, so a little bit of both. I mean, I think the main focus is on ourselves, and the focus during preseason has been about this is what we do, and let's let's keep getting better at it. Um, you know, you go into every game differently because of the opponent, and some opponents do you know tactically things that are you know a little bit extreme. So you have to spend a little bit more time on them. If it's if it's a pretty standard formation, you know, you'll you'll mention them, you'll you'll run through some shape stuff, but you'll you'll probably focus on yourself a little bit more. So. Uh, Portland have a unique way of playing. There's uh, the games from from last year, and I don't think it'll be too much different this year. There'll be a lot of transitional play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they're very dangerous on the counter, and on the other side, we feel that they're susceptible to to the counter on the other end. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll be focusing on ourselves with with a lot of respect to them, um, but knowing that. You know, especially the first game of the season, you're on the road. We've got to be a really solid, tight group. We've got to be really organized. We have to limit their chances, knowing that we will get chances to, to score goals and we have to take them. Kendra, as the Minnesota United analyst, where do you see the main threat from Portland coming from on Sunday? Well, I think in, a, in some of what we've talked about from their preseason, it really is going to depend on how Gito decides to go out. I do think that there's still some question marks with how those pieces of the puzzle fit together with Blanco, with Valeri, with Chara, and then, of course, you meet Chara as well, and I think they're attacking, you know, no more Fernandez. And um, the, the the player you mentioned, Nizgoda, yes. um, may not be fit to play. He's barely trained this season. So how are they going to attack up top? Where are they going to – but I've – all you ever hear about is their counterattack. Is Diego Valeri is the king of the counterattack. You know, you get Diego Chara winning the ball in their half of the field, finding Diego Valeri, and he just orchestrates this magnificent scoring opportunity, either creating a set piece out on the edge of the box where he can serve the ball in and get the assist, or he can find somebody flying up the wing with some pace. So I think that, um, you know, much like Mark mentioned, if Minnesota United can you know, take advantage of those opportunities when they do counter. It's how do you pull Portland out if you're trying to attack. But if they do counter, then when you win the ball, your first pass out of transition going the other way, keeping possession through Ozzy Alonso, Jan Gregush, finding the space on the wing, whether it's Roma Metzenier, Chase Gaspar, or higher up the field with a player like Ethan Finley, I think that that's, that's the place you have to try to look to to beat Portland, and then, you know, we've seen a little bit, uh, you more than me, since you were in Portland, what Luis Amaria can do. And if they can keep him higher up the field and not sucking back in as much and let Robin and Kevin kind of do what they do underneath him, I think that's where Minnesota is going to find success. Limit the opportunities for Portland's counterattack with Diego Valeri if he makes the start um, going forward. And then also just taking advantage of your opportunities, finishing your chances. Because as as Adrian has told us several times, oftentimes it's not a matter of creating. It's a matter of, of finishing and not just serving the ball in from the wing, finding the attacking pieces up the middle of the field. And I think we'll see more of that this year with a healthy Kevin, a healthier and more fit and more into the system, Robin and Luis um, up top as well. Uh, assuming Luis Samaria starts, because yes. um, we don't know the 11 yet. Um mm-hmm. Also, has it been interesting for, for you to, to watch him um, from afar? Because all the tape I saw of Amaria, he liked to drop a little deeper. He liked to play off of the eight or the ten and, and then make a secondary run of some sort. But we spoke to Adrian the other day and he said he prefers him high. He prefers him to, to press, understandably. But we noticed a few times, particularly in Portland, he, he does 
still like to drop and, and, and play in those holes. Yep. Has that been a frustration at all, or are you happy to let him do that? Well, I, I think it just depends on the situation. So there, there's moments where maybe it isn't on to go in behind, and you know he needs to be that little re release valve to help us keep the ball to then find the next moment to, to go forward. So I think he has a really good understanding of the game, um, you know, and is he going to be perfectly assimilated into, <clears throat> excuse me, into the team after four weeks? You know, probably not. So I think I think he's just going to get better and better the, the the more time he spends with his group. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, the one thing that we do want him to do. <laughs> he's all choked up on, on Luis Amaria. He's that excited about Amaria. <laughs> well, the other player I didn't mention just well, while I was getting a sip of water is Mora. You know, I mm. mean, they bring in Felipe, Felipe Mora, and we don't know what Abobasi is going to be able to do. I mean, he's in, what, his fourth year now with the club? Mm, correct, yes, Just signed a yes. new contract. So I think from an attacking perspective, it remains to be seen a little bit because mm. all the talk of the town was Fernandez last year with Portland yeah. um, once they signed him, and he's no longer there. So... I think that does make a difference. Um, one thing which um, I, I think it's safe to say we're all keen to to watch this year is how wild the Western Conference is going <laughs> to be, Kendra. Yeah. I mean, there's been an array of signings to the Western Conference this year. Plenty in the East as well, mm -hmm. let's not forget. Mm -hmm. But but the Western Conference, I, I don't think we've ever seen a stronger West, have we? I think it's a really hard to predict. If you're going to go down that line, I, mean, I think we can probably all somewhat agree on the top three, maybe four for the Western Conference. But I forget sometimes that Real Salt Lake finished in third last season because everyone talks about Seattle and everyone talks about LAFC. Everyone talked about the Galaxy. Now Chicharito coming over before it was Laton. And, of course, Minnesota finished fourth. So the wild, wild west continues. There's new coaching changes, new staff, you know, Houston with Tab Ramos. So I think it's going to be it's going to be crazy to to watch how this unfolds. What, so what do you see when you see some of these new signings coming into the league? Kendra just mentioned sure. Chicharito Hernandez, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's eyebrow raising right now, isn't it? It is, and <clears throat> it just shows you that everyone's getting better, and, and you, you know, we need to do the same. You look at all the money that's been spent, Kansas City, Polito spending big money, mm -hmm. Vancouver spending big money, uh, a bunch of teams in the East. Every, everyone is, is getting better, and you know, especially the teams below the line, they've, they've really... They've really spent to try and try and get above the line. So, um, as much as we want to maintain what we're doing, you know, there was there was a big belief that we had to get better as well because everyone else is. So, um, I think it's I think it's really exciting. You know, there's there's a lot of money being spent. There's a lot of exciting players coming into the league, and um, it just bodes well for the future of this league because the quality is 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 getting better, better every year, and it's really exciting. And just finally, what so um, what is a good season? <clears throat> Minnesota United I think I think the goal has to has to be to make the playoffs you know I think we'll aspire to you know be in the top four again and have a home playoff game um, but I think qualifying for the playoffs is is uh, is every team's goal and, and it's ours you know we will quietly um, have some internal goals to do a little bit better than we did last year but knowing that the West is is really competitive um, I think any team that makes the playoffs and and we'll include ourselves in that you know has to think they can go on and 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 continue on and win a championship you know and um that probably wasn't there the first couple of years but i think with our season last year and the group we have you know we we think um you know we need to get into the playoffs and then and then anything's possible 
Wonderful. Um, I think we'll do this again at some stage, shall we? Uh, my thanks, as always, uh, to Kindred D. St. Alvin, uh, but of course to the Technical Director of Minnesota United, Mark Watson. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. 6.30 Central kickoff time on Fox Sports 1. Of course, you can tune in to the pregame show here on Score North before that, and uh, you'll then have full match commentary coming your way as Minnesota United open up the season at Portland Timbers. As always, you've been listening to a Minnesota United production. 